0: Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything
1: at all. I'm Pelin keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Dijon, a culture writer and critic. And this week we're discussing the TV series Jenny and Georgia and the film Rocks, two works that kind of coincidentally happen to be about the, the huge presence of a mother or the lack thereof in the lives of a teenage daughter and a young son.
0: First of all, everybody, happy birthday to Jenny. She has turned <laughs> the tender age of 28. Oh still God. a babe. <laughs> still still a young seedling in this world that we're in, in this dunya.
1: How are you Christ. feeling, babes? How's your birthday been? <laughs> um, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, birthday was, you know, okay, considering it's the uh, second pandemic birthday. Uh, um, it's fine. <laughs> it yes yeah, we're... We're, we're gonna get out of here soon, but yeah, it was okay. I, I took a day off from work, which, you know, everyone, if you have the option of doing that, of just like taking a day off when you can, highly recommend that. Take your birthday off. And then, yeah, I got, got some like little slices of like crepe cake and like Japanese, French, like patisserie stuff. So Mm. it was all right. It was a, it was a quiet, socially distanced, safe birthday yet again. Anyway. How are you, Pellin? Bitch,
0: I got my first shot of the vaccine. Wow. Crazy. Tell me the the brand. Tell me the brand. I'm a Pfizer girl. I've got to say, first of all, it happened very quickly. Like, I got my shot the day that I booked it. Oh, wow. Very jealous of everyone that got really emotional when they got their first shot. Mm-hmm. I was getting there. I was re- it was ramping up like when I was waiting <laughs> for my turn. But then the guy giving me, the guy giving me this shot. Man, I love my Muslim brothers. I really do. But <laughs> please don't tell me that you've been hitting up the hookah spot now that you're vaccinated. <laughs> oh. like, he was like, he was like, when are the bars going to co- open up again? And I was like, I don't know, mate. And it was like, cause you know, between you and me, I've been hitting up the hooker joint. And I was like, Why are you telling me this right now? And I'm trying to get in the mood. Yeah. Like, in the emotional mood. None of that. Because he just fucked it. Come and then there. he was like, Where's that accent from? And I was like, Alright, here we fucking go. <laughs> uh so he did not give me the opportunity to really feel that momentous moment.
1: Yeah. The yeah. next shot, you know, the second dose. That's your moment. Um I also feel like we have to acknowledge in some way the shit that happened last week. And what I'm referring to, of course, is the like, uh, Atlanta shootings of Asian massage parlor workers and, and some customers. And I, I don't know. I, we've already, we've already discussed this on this pod and I don't really know what else to say. Read the history, read the writings, support each other. Solidarity is such a, I don't know if it's becoming like the buzzword and the mm. moment where it loses all meaning, but I think we really do gotta, that's the only way forward.
0: It's just
1: humanity you know what is there to say what is there to say yeah if anyone needs anyone to share the feelings with dms are open and occasionally checked so i don't know we're we have to be here for each other in in some way now moving on to the uh actual content that you are here for presumably i mean we'll go off in these tangents whenever the fuck we want
0: but that aside this week, what has been your escapism, I guess, is the real question.
1: <laughs> yes. So this week, I watched Jenny and Georgia on Netflix. It's a new itch series, about a month old, uh, created by Sarah Lambert. It is about a 15-year-old girl, Jenny, played by, uh, I think, a newcomer, Antonia Gentry, mm-hmm. and her 30-year-old mom, Georgia, played by Brienne Howie. Um, as they, along with Jenny's nine-year-old little brother, they move to a perfect-seeming New England town and try to establish a new, like, idealized life after years spent moving from place to place, you know, as uh, Georgia has, like, bounced around between different guys and just different homes and states and everything like that. So that's the premise. It maybe sounds a little bit familiar to fans of Gilmore Girls. There are just, like, some very apparent you know similarities small town new mm-hmm. england young single mom and her teenage daughter et cetera, et cetera. and the homage is definitely there and even like explicitly referenced on the show yeah um <laughs> but beyond these kind of like surface level similarities i find it very very far from gilmore girls in both like tone genre mm-hmm. and like the the fundamental dynamic between the mother and daughter definitely so yeah when did you watch this poem?
0: i also watched it this week Okay, there we go. Um, you know, obviously initially a bit skeptical because we all saw that clip on Twitter.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a big one. The um If you don't know what we're talking about, basically one of the clips in which Jenny, who is, she's half black and half white, she is dating a boy named Hunter who is half white, half Taiwanese, and they really, you know, as two kids, two teens of like mixed race, they really, they've got a lot of feelings about it, and they... They share those feelings with each other in this viral clip that was pretty, like, universally derided on Twitter. And the thing is,
0: like, no one was really watching Ginny and Georgia like that until this, until this clip started going around. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And unfortunately, because this is a Netflix show, everyone kind of painted it with a brush of like, oh my God, Netflix is Netflixing again. Mm. Um. But I heard from a couple of my friends on Twitter that it was actually not bad. So then I started watching it this week and I finished it as well. Have you finished it yet?
1: Yeah, I just finished it, uh, last night and it What'd does, you think like, of it? it, it starts out like you, you know, came, I came into this with a little bit of those, those like apprehensions, not really knowing what to expect. I, i was curious mostly because of like the comparisons to gilmore girl which i have watched Mm. and like alternately enjoyed and very very frustrated with um you know over the years uh but it definitely revealed itself to be a different beast and it got more and more interesting despite some very cringy moments i finished when i finished it i was just like damn gotta have a season two and i think it's set up that way too yeah, um, they have that, so many loose ends that are just yeah,
0: hanging. Definitely, I watched Gilmore Girls pretty late in life, so I watched it in my mid twenties. I appreciated the homages to it a lot, even it, like obviously the young the young daughter, um, hot mum <laughs> dynamic. Uh-huh. But um, my favorite was the uh, I, I wouldn't say meeting point, but the restaurant slash cafe that they oh, the farm to table restaurant. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was great. Very funny. There needs um, to be more of that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Let's get these. <laughs> let's get more uh, hot restaurant men. You know, popping into talking over to these single moms. Okay, let's.
0: Before we get into like the plot points, I just want to put my uh, vapidness
1: out of the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to bring up your. Uh, your tweet can you can you sum up or read your tweet um that i enjoyed and i think a lot of people enjoyed
0: uh so i basically said that the casting director of ginny and georgia really knew what she was doing when she was uh casting the men of color because she did and i and i I don't want to say men like i don't want to say the the characters depicting boys i think everyone i think every one of the boys Every one of the teens is actually acted by, you know, technically men, but yeah, they're all 20, under the age of something. like 25, so they don't really count. Mm-hmm. Um, but the men, the ones over the age of 25 are very, very hot. And yeah, my favorite is Joe. And my favorite fact about these men is that most of them are from Canada. Oh, like, yeah. Can- he- Ca- Canadian men are just descending upon American yeah. young adult series. I was like, looking no- at
1: like the, uh, the cast and yeah, notice immediately. This cast is like 98% Canadian, when, and then yeah. it was like, oh, they filmed it in Canada. Okay, this makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Um, Canada's cheap for production, so. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I agree. Joe is hands down the fave. Definitely. Um, who would have want like a, you know, he's got a farm. He's got his 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 restaurant. He, he's got horses. He's got horses. He's hot. <sighs> he's, you know, he's got it all. He's tall. Yeah. All these things. So um, anyway. (laughs) But you know, thirst aside. Thirst (laughs) aside. Um, what I wanted to talk about partly is how some of the general consensus among critics from what I'm seeing as I like sort of dug through the reviews so far Mm -hmm. seems to be that the show is kind of a disjointed mess of different genres, which is true. Um, including primarily like teen drama and then like crime mystery. Mm -hmm. But most of the reviews I read, they were kind of like, Oh, you know the the crime mystery stuff, uh, which is primarily Georgia's, the mom's part. Yeah. It takes too much focus away from Ginny and the the intricacies of teen life, and that is like what really resonated. I am just gonna put it out there that I disagree. Uh, give yeah. me more of Georgia. Give me more of like the, the crime, the yes. fucking absurd shit that's going on. Yes. Okay, you're on the same page. A hundred percent. Fuck Ginny, dude. <laughs> okay thank you please yes (laughs) i think my feeling is like there are multiple parts of this but like one you can kind of get like the high school teen drama anywhere and we have so Mm -hmm. many like high school teenage shows out right now stuff like euphoria generation grand army or whatever i don't know there's a lot of this stuff going on yeah and a lot of the the teen drama in the show rings true But it is so cringe because high school is incredibly cringe. And I don't know, I'm now that I'm like, I find myself closer finally to the age of like the mom on -hmm. a show. I just like it's hard for me to relate to the teens anymore
0: and unfortunately with young adult tv dramas like we you know we watched shit what was it called the wilds and the wilds is. is, I I would file the wilds under teen drama as well yeah there's only so many themes that you can explore not to say that you know Every single teen in America has the same upbringing, but for TV, the things that are the most compelling, whether it's self-harm, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, these things are going to constantly keep popping up, right? So there's only so many times you can ruminate it, ruminate around these themes before mm. you get bored of it. And the thing about Euphoria was that Euphoria makes it look really pretty and it's a little bit more prestige than the rest of them. Yeah, high production value. And it's more young adult TV for adults, actually, you know, like, I mean, maybe the teens are watching it. I don't fucking oh, know. Oh, they
1: fucking love it from what I can oh, see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, my, and <laughs> my opinions on these, this intel is basically gathered from TikTok.
0: Yeah, and Um. I think the thing about Euphoria is that it's the least corny out of all of them, Yeah, from what I've understood. That seems great. Yeah, so it's exactly like you said. We lived through it. I obviously didn't grow up in America, so I don't fucking know, but the only real... (laughs) The only real themes that you can touch on are like a couple of things. So we've seen every iteration of it post-Euphoria. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of excited for Pen15 to get to the age where they're like actually like a little bit older because mm. um, they're still 8th grade, ninth grade going on mm-hmm. to ninth grade. Um, but Pen15 is my favorite <laughs> out of all <laughs> of them.
1: And that's because it's on the younger end of it. Yeah. But, and like the, the yeah. refreshing thing of like, obviously, who's playing the main characters and stuff yeah. like that. I yeah. wanted to ask you, what do you think of Jenny's character? Like, please expand on your opinion.
0: The thing is, I didn't understand from the very beginning all the way up until the end, I didn't understand how these two people were related. My the mom biggest, and the daughter? Yeah, just not not from a biological standpoint, just the way that they are with each other emotionally, the way that they're written, yeah. it's just off. Um, yeah. She is such a pearl clutcher to her mother, and you think by that point especially if you've been moving around so much and that's the thing about moving around is you don't really have friends your family is your entire world right yeah so i don't understand why their relationship isn't a little bit more intimate um and it's
1: definitely mi- missing the intimacy and i mean the warmth uh, like you that yeah. the warmth is one of the biggest things about like gilmore girls for instance and yeah you know here of course like Ginny resents her mom but still there there has to there's like heat in that you know it's like whether it's warmth or dialed up to like hot resentment there's like something in the the friction between those two that should exist but yeah yeah definitely found it lacking i was like I mean, she's a teen. It's so hard to judge from teens, but it's like, no, do you but, love I mean, your mom
0: at all? Do, do, not even do you like? Do you know who your mom is? Like, oh well, that half is of, a Half no. of her reaction. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a very lo- that's a very loaded question, but yeah. Um, half of her reactions to the stuff that her mother does are so she's so aghast all the time, mm-hmm. and it's like this should be something that she always does. Or this should track with how she is. So this shouldn't surprise you. So why right. is it surprising you? And that that was my biggest beef with the way that it was written, was just it didn't gel. Like, they didn't feel like they lived in the same house together or they lived together at all. Mm, um, yeah. And it's like you said, like, with Gilmore Girls, they completely gel. And a lot of that has to do with Amy sherman Palladino's like, fast-talking writing, dialogue yeah. writing, which that you, no one can... You can never replicate that, you know? Mm-hmm. But at least they really felt lived in with each other. There was like that sense of either understanding or just like, this is my mom, this is what she does. Um, yeah. And I don't blink knowledge. because this is how she is. Yeah. Whereas she just kept blinking all the time. It's like, fucking stop clutching your pearls for one second, babe. <laughs> yeah. So annoying.
1: Yeah. And there are definite points where I was like, fucking hell, this character is a real bitch yeah which is like i feel like i can't really say that about a teen that feels like punching down but oh i'll say that (laughs) (laughs) okay well it's like you know teens as with all people are very complex they got hella Mm -hmm. hormones they're navigating relationships with other people with hella hormones there's like so much unnecessary drama all the time but (sighs) there was like a real like cruel streak in this character that i feel like did not really uh, didn't make sense or was like dialed all the way up in a way that does not seem that consistent with this character like who is presented especially as like you know really kind a kind of like bookish girl um yeah. who you know she is friends the first time she's like so appreciative of this but it's like how quickly the character is made to become like one of the popular girls and they even show this yeah. stylistically with how she dresses and her hair mm-hmm. and how she becomes like so vicious mm-hmm. which i guess of course is like probably that does happen but they just accelerated it so much that yeah. it really like turns you away from the character that you aren't ostensibly supposed to root for or at least feel sympathetic for
0: yeah i mean i think the issue was that you can't really tell whether or not this is actually Ginny's characteristics or this is written in so that it pushes the plot along like mm. the story along and yeah. if it's the latter it's really obvious and i think it was the latter
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it did happen a little bit too quick and too hot but you know teens are terrible man they stay posturing because they think that they know what's going on in the world <laughs> and with themselves they think they've got it all figured out yeah um and then and then they posture until that crumbles and then they fuck themselves over um yeah i was a such teen as, once i remember such as girls. growing up yeah, yeah.
1: But definitely what I found, like, most compelling in the whole thing is more the focus on trauma, the the cycle mm-hmm. of trauma, which has more to do with Georgia, which kind of explains, you know, why I, why we, why maybe the audience would might gravitate more towards her, mm-hmm. her past of just, like, trauma and abuse, how she, like, by trying to provide the opposite kind of life and childhood for kids, she ends up recreating different but also like similar effects of like bad parenting and neglect and harm yes um that is like the most interesting part which really gelled together uh towards the end of this this first season Mm -hmm. like just like watching the little kid the little brother austin I was like oh man this this is really heartbreaking in a way,, yeah,
0: yeah because what's more universal than your mum trying really hard to do something that's good for you and then fucking it up anyways, like yeah, that seems to be the you know the biggest fear for a lot of parents is they don't want to make the mistakes from their childhood or they don't want to make the mistakes yeah. from their parents, um, so they do something and then they just do it too much and then they end up with the same fucking result anyway, yeah. Um, like yeah. different
1: mistakes but like same effects
0: yeah exactly and especially the way in the second half there's like this weird transference that happens with Ginny and and Georgia mm-hmm. that was interesting because like you also are terrified that you're going to turn into your mother mm-hmm. especially like in the moments where you hate her right <laughs> which is also very universal I love my mom but she does have some neuroses that I really, really, from a young age, w- hope that I would never have as a mother myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting.
1: Yeah. But again, it would have been, like, much stronger if, like you said, their dynamic was just more fleshed out, more yeah, intimate. Man. You felt like you- they really know each other yep. and know, which comes from, like, a lifetime of being together and loving each mm-hmm. other and hating each other, but at least being together, uh, which, again, we did not really get the sense of that too much, which I guess comes down to the writing. Yes.
0: And it especially needed it because Georgia is so young for a mother. She's 30 years old. But then that just means that you have a level of intimacy so much more because she's a young mother. Yeah. You know? There's not like a several generation divide, it's just one generation. So they should be a little bit more in tune with one another, and yet.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, (sighs) But at the same time... You know, as much as the show is kind of like a disjointed, be so many parts. Like I said, it does cohere more coherently, like thematically and emotionally towards the end. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of fun watching it. Like it was a great distraction.
0: Definitely. There, there are some parts that are so fucking corny that I can't. (laughs) Um, Yes.
1: What was the What was the corniest part to you? If you have one at the top of mind, because there were so many to choose from.
0: Affection moments that Hunter shows her like so oh, spoiler a alert there's a guy called hunter she ends up dating him as a boyfriend uh georgia uh, sorry Ginny does and yeah. um he is just the corniest motherfucker alive mate
1: yes oh my god with this big a, old teeth. a nice guy i'm sure he's the uh again like the the half taiwanese kid from um the cringe viral clip yeah basically yeah nice guy corny guy extremely I, that was my only casting
0: director beef <laughs> I mean, it's Um, not, it's not on me to make a comment about young men that are depicted as teens in TV shows because I'm a smooth 31. So, (laughs) but I, I, I just really wish Hunter was a little less corny, a little bit more like handsome in a different way yeah yeah. I don't, I, mean, I don't know it has to do with
1: the way that you know they have the lines multiple times where they explicitly say you know the girls at the school they're like he is so hot yeah. he is so sexy and yeah. it it has it's just it produces a different picture in your mind than the one that they the one that you know have with, yeah. on set especially yeah.
0: because so one of my favorite things about it is it gives you that classic trope of good guy really handsome bad guy also really handsome, what yeah, is our handsome. young female protagonist gonna do she has so many great choices, right? Right. Um the you know, if the good guy <laughs> the good guy's not giving it, it makes it really hard for you to Yeah, root for him because Right, it, it's not a real triangle. Yeah, it's not it's not really. Speaking of Marcus, beautiful. What a beautiful young
1: man. I thought he was great, True.
0: fantastic newcomer. Uh, I think he's from Australia, right?
1: Yeah, he's a... I think originally was an Australian model, which explains a lot. That explains a lot, yeah. And (laughs) if I was a teen watching this, oh my god,
0: bitch. He would be right up my... Because I've, you know, me... Being a, being a bi teen, not being aware that I was a bi teen loved men that looked a little bit like girls. And he looks like a really pretty girl. Well, okay. So here's the thing that I wanted to ask you, actually. Mm-hmm. So after the viral video of Ginny and Hunter arguing went out, how did you feel
1: about how that scene sat in with the rest of the season? That, I mean, that the show does try to tackle the question of race, um, especially because, you know, that, The protagonist, Ginny, she's, like, biracial. She's in a largely, like, lily-white, waspy town. Like, out of context, that clip was, yeah, extremely cringy. I would say. But within the larger context of the show, I can see kind of how it came about. Just the cringeworthy way in which it unfolded. I mean, if we're, like, going ahead with the premise that these are teens, and especially teens nowadays, there is so much more discourse and knowledge of you know things like race and sexuality and everything then there's a desire to be informed and to like talk about this stuff even if a, a lot of the ways in which people talk about it is really cringe yeah I, I yeah i think maybe this scene could have happened in real life
0: yeah i think it could definitely happen but my only issue with it and it happens throughout the season is that people don't talk like that Oh, do they? yeah like no. the pound back jerk chicken pound back jerk chicken and then what literally what uh what literally what <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that line yeah all of that aside i think like the way that race was handled in general you know it was a bit corny but it, this yeah. is not you know this is not atlanta like it's not on that level no. of talking about race
1: of it's just like trying to fumble at it like with good intentions and it's yeah much like i think how teens you know try to fumble through their these issues and like trying to learn more and just like a much wider interest in things like social justice and yeah you know oppression and marginalization yeah exactly yeah yeah cool so uh, even if you you cringed at that that clip floating around on twitter i think maybe you could still give this a try if any Mm -hmm. not so much of the teen stuff but yeah it's an entertaining ride and it's definitely
0: entertaining yeah
1: yeah and i hope that it is renewed for a season two and speaking of teens and high school motherhood all, the, all of the above. Tell me, Pellin, what did you watch this week?
0: Oh my God. I watched Rocks. Actually, uh, so full disclosure. I watched Rocks a while back, but I rewatched it this week. So Rocks is a British production. It's a British film. Uh, not just that. It's a London production, baby. <laughs> so I'm in my fucking bag for this section. Trust me. Um, this film came out. It was doing the festival circuit. 2019 Came out in the UK 2020, and then it was added into Netflix US late 2020. So like around December, I think it was added in. The reason why I did want to talk about it, though, it's been nominated for a bunch of BAFTAs. BAFTAs, if you don't know, it's the UK's version of the Oscars. It is at tie now with seven nominations with Nomadland. So this film is directed by Sarah Gavron, and it's co-written by Teresa Ikoko and Claire Wilson. So it's a film about Shola, aka Rocks. that's her nickname. Titular role played by a bookie But Grace, she's incredible. Love her. Mm-hmm. Um she so Rocks is left to take care of herself and her brother Emmanuel, who's played by D'Angelo Osei Kisaju, with the help of her friends from school, sometimes, maybe not. To go into the, a little bit more detail about that, their mother, Emmanuel and Rox's mother, suffers from depression and then one day just leaves them, uh, kind of abandons them, unfortunately, with just a bit of money and a letter to say that she's sorry. And Rox has to basically figure out how to kind of look after her brother and herself while while she waits for her mum to come back. I just want to preface this by saying that this is not you know, some reviews have called this gritty. the The tone that people, a lot of reviewers, especially in America, have taken is that this is like a really sad story about a certain class of people. And I just want to say that this is not. I did not take this film like that, and that's because this film is very personal to me. It's shot in East London. Uh, it's shot in Dorston, which I did not grow up in Dawson, but I'm Turkish, and if you're Turkish, you know Dorston because Dorston is where all the Turks are in London. Um, I also went to an all-girls school like that one, like a state school. I was very excited to watch this. I knew I would get very emotional watching this, but this was essentially my upbringing. So it did not feel gritty to me. It was actually one of the most heartwarming films I've ever seen, period. <laughs> so The friendship. I, yeah. <laughs> and um, I just want to give a huge shout out before we get into it. An incredible cast. They are basically all first time actors, like the teen girls that you know that includes obviously bookie back gray who we talked about kosar ali who plays sumaya who is um rox's best friend and shania monique grayson who plays roche
1: what did you think of this film this film was so good i wouldn't call it gritty mm-hmm. which is a a weird term anyway like the way it's used but it did wreck me emotionally (laughs) like yeah yeah definitely i was so sad at so many points and just like (laughs) like teetering between just like smiling and feeling the warmth of friendship and the warmth between like sister and little brother and just but also just like hurting so much at like all the shit they have to deal with it was it was it was a really really good film. That's that's what I'll say and I'm I'm so glad I watched it even though it definitely made me cry at parts.
0: Yeah. Is the highs are very high and the lows are very low. Yeah. Um so one of the most overarching themes throughout this is is about, you know, the value and then sometimes the betrayal of female friendships as a teen. What was female friendship
1: like for you Jen as like a teen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting question because I couldn't imagine the closeness of this kind of female friendship mm-hmm. that i saw in this film and just like the the kind of you know growing up in, in any London like a, the, this girl's school like spending all day with these girls like going home and like maybe like visiting a friend a couple seats away or something like that mm-hmm. i feel like at least like my personal upbringing in like suburban michigan as like one of not many non-white people at my school um and like especially one of not many asian people at my school Mm, mm, mm. um i think i had friends most of whom were like girls but it was the the kind of friendship that often is like cultivated basically at school yeah you know classes clubs and you kind of go home and aside from maybe like the odd like weekend hang or like summertime like hanging out or whatever yeah i felt like i was missing a lot of the intimacy that clearly there exists between these the kind of friends in this movie mm-hmm. and that makes me sad like i don't i don't know if i've ever had a best friend like rocks has like Sumaya and like samaya and like presumably that that we see presented on like screen and in books all the time like the your best friend like your your yeah. soul friend or whatever yeah i don't know if i've ever had that and it yeah it's just it's, it's interesting to think about this and how much different my my context growing up was compared to this. Yeah. What about
0: you? Uh, well, you know, girls' school, uh, mm, yeah. East London. Basically, everyone's black and brown um Mm -hmm. the minority was the white kid like Mm -hmm. we would have a couple of white girls in our year and that would pretty much be it my friendship circle was i would say tight-knit but it was a little bit tough for me because i was very disciplined as a kid so for me i didn't really get the after school hangs yeah and it would only be like at someone's birthday that we would, that we would actually like see each other outside of school. But be, I think going to school in an inner city of any inner city, like I'm sure this is the case for like a lot of people that were teens in New York. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's you different. just, yeah, it's yeah. just different. It's a very, very different vibe, but yeah, there's, there's nothing like that friendship. There really isn't because so much of my childhood was. Deeply rooted into my family and what I yeah, could do for too. them as a student. Who I was with my friends was the truest me, basically, mm. which you get that energy from a lot of these actors in this film where they are just boundlessly themselves. Like they're just cracking up. They're making jokes. They're getting into food fights at school. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's so much young energy. Whereas like when I got home, I had to be the good daughter. So there was no room for me to. Crack a joke. Yeah. I remember one time I cracked a joke to my dad, and he was like, "I'm not your fucking friend." And I was like, "Great." <laughs> oh my god. That's and that's that's the kind of you know I'm. <laughs> I'll never forget the time I said to my dad, like, "Leave me alone, man." And he was like, "Who is man?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm
0: your father. Like it was that was the kind of you yeah. know. So I I was very muted as a kid.
1: That's such an home. interesting so, like question of like who yeah. is your truest self when you're, yeah your friends people your age or with your family and yeah i thought about this too and i feel like i like the version of myself that is like around my my friends my peers yeah. but like maybe the truest self is like as i've realized especially like this past year and like mm-hmm. you know as i've become closer and closer to my mom because in some ways like we're all each other has like yeah. that is probably my my truest form and like the the way that i feel most comfortable but yeah. it would be Maybe unrecognizable in a lot of ways from the way I am with other people. And mm-hmm. also part of that is like has to do with like language and what language are you speaking together? Yeah. And yeah. It's such an interesting question. Yeah.
0: Um, especially cause you get older. So then the gods that you built up with your parents come down and your parents' yeah. gods also come down because they start to recognize you as an adult. And, yeah. you know, even though I felt my truest self around my friends as a teen, as I got older, I, that turned into more and more of a performance, performance. once I found out mm. that I, you know, I was the funny friend, or I was the friend that you know offered, I don't know, homework, um, and then I had to be the smart friend as well as a funny friend, and like that kind of calcified That's a, a little bit into my early twenties, and then my late twenties was unlearning all of that. <laughs> so it's just it's like the different iterations of yourself that you can be. It's just like the age that like with rocks. The age that Rox and Samaya are especially with the way that they are with one another you're still coming into yourself you know you're yeah. still you're still realizing you like you haven't e- you don't even know that there's a performance at that point mm-hmm. um that's happening so yeah I, I love that so much and, I, and I, I guess the the most interesting part is there's another character that comes in um Roche is the disruptor in kind of a bad this friendship girl. group, yeah, and um, you know what she offers, Rocks, uh, as opposed to what Sumaya offers, Rocks. These are very interesting dynamics, mm-hmm. um, because Sumaya comes from a very different family from the type of family that Rocks comes from, and Rocher has a certain individualism that Rocks, I guess, seeks a little bit.
1: Yeah, like, the independence you, you can see it's so appealing yeah. in ways.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's like tension that happens because of that and that's really interesting but other than the authenticity of the way that these girls act which by the way it was it was pretty much like a co-production with the actors like the the girls were essentially in an acting workshop in pre-production and then during production like as they were acting so they were just building their characters with the writers. And that, that explains the authenticity of the way that they talk, what they're joking about at that any given moment. So that, that's authentic on one end. But the other side of the authenticity is the way that London is presented to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This this is it. Like the smallness of her flat. That's accurate. Mm-hmm. The smallness of Sumaya's house accurate the way that the, the most hilarious part is like rocks goes into tfc which is a turkish food center i grew up every weekend my parents would go to tfc to get our turkish groceries that was a and that was the one that we went to and we still go to that <laughs> to this day so it was just nuts to kind of see tfc in rocks as well so one of the most heartbreaking parts about this is uh rocks trying to take care of her younger brother and shout out to d'angelo for being an incredible child actor i love him so much he's so good so
1: cute he's so so heartbreaking the
0: the most heartbreaking part of it is understanding that rox's mother has depression understanding that she can't give them what they need also seeing how rox is empathetic to this which she shouldn't have to be at that age that she holds out hope Because she knows that her mother is capable of love. She knows that her mother cares about them. So she's just basically firming it until she comes back. Yeah, And the fear of that is social services. And social services is the thorn in the side of every poor kid's life. Straight up. You know, I I talk about this being a personal film. We all knew if you grew up working class, if you grew up poor in London, you knew to never ever get social services involved you just didn't do it and it was because no one ever wanted a to end up in the foster care system because that everyone just understood that to be the absolute worst thing that you could do for a kid even as children we knew that but it was just like the unwritten rule that we learned very young and this is a very personal story but I'll never forget the time I must have mentioned to one of my teachers back at school that my mum hit me because I didn't get a certain grade and it was like a joke cuz like at that point it was like you know my mom's going to give me beats if i don't get an A star miss like <laughs> it must have happened to something like that mm-hmm. and then she got so serious and she was just like does that happen often and i was like oh yeah like it's fine oh. and then i was being pulled into the mi- headmistress's office and then my mom got called oh, and then there was shit. a social service worker in the office and i've got that was like one of the worst days of my life as a kid
1: how were you
0: I think I was 11. I was 11 or 12. I just started secondary school and it wasn't like I was lying, but the seriousness of that, like just being in that office and understanding what was going on, I just, I just lied. Like I lied in the office because I understood what would happen to my mum. And there was no way, like I listen, my mum definitely emotionally, <laughs> physically abused me as a kid. Yeah, definitely. But at that age, I just knew that there was no way that I would ever do that to my mother. And that's just a, that's just what you do. And so to see Rox in this film try so hard to put that off and defer that yeah. as long as she can until her mother comes back, like I completely understand it. You know, for her to withhold information from certain people because she knows, uh, like the fact that she knows to not do that, she has the intelligence to know the chain of information that will trickle down that will eventually result in them being in foster care. It's just so well done because that is exactly how you would
1: react as someone, that character would do that in real life. And it's like, so, I mean, one of the the most heartbreaking things is that like, of course, in this film and in real life, the sort of unfairness of, you know, a child, like having to keep this in the back of their mind all the times and having to feel, you know, responsibility for this in some way of someone older, of like a, of a guardian who is supposed to be caring for them and in a different way. But also like, yeah, like. Coupled with the love that they feel for their parents or their mom and how it's, it's not like conflicting with this other thing, but it's yeah. all part and parcel, like the love and the pain of the same, the same relationship.
0: The way that Rox as a character tries to simplify very complex things that are happening in her life is a part of her in essence. Like the way that Bookie Backgrade, like plays her is, you know, you can tell that she's a new actress for sure. But at the same time, that works in her favor, yeah. Because there's a timidness to her, and there's a meekness to her that really showcases a how shy she can be. Like she's outgoing around her friends and everything, but she's like one of those girls that's like she doesn't talk unless she actually has to say something interesting or funny. Otherwise, she's quiet. And the way that she internalizes certain things, like the way that Sumaya's family is so tight-knit, the way that they are always there for each other, the way that they're so big. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see that on her face before she even has to say anything. There's just, you can tell that there is an awareness of these topics. But yeah, man, I just love this film so much. I even loved the, I usually hate like social media interfaces in TV and film. And it did not bother me not one bit for this one. And it has everything to do with the authenticity of the performances
1: and the world that we're in. Um, Oh, yeah. Very accurate. Social media, like inserted in the wrong way, it can be corny. It can be forced. It's, it's, it's false. It's like not actually how people use these platforms in real life. But here, like, oh, yeah, people totally use Instagram in this way or like with like real results. Like it actually affects uh, the plot.
0: Yeah. I think the issue with, uh, social media and also like mobile phone interfaces being incorporated into TV and film is you can't have the camera linger on it for too long. Mm-hmm. Like I watched yeah. the first couple episodes of Generation on HBO Max, and it's just it's too too much fucking screen time. I already have a phone that I look into all day every day. I we don't know how <laughs> text works. Just just show me one to two text exchanges. I don't need a fucking ten text exchange. But all that being said, this is great, and I, I really loved it, and it's. Used very sparingly and used very well. And again, it kind of captures a youth of, of the girls as well as obviously capturing their energy. And that's one of my favorite things about this film is like how they encapsulate that joy and the joking and the giggling and the laughing and the screaming. Like there's so much of that in this, even mm. though it's an incredibly sad film at times, it still finds that, that joy. And you know, I don't want to say how the film ends, but it's one of my favorite endings. of of a film like this one because it's complicated but there is still joy and what is life if not that (laughs) like yeah 100% you know best of luck to rocks at the BAFTAs best of luck great film please watch this film please 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 watch this film I don't know how long it's going to be on Netflix but it's one of my favourite films of 2020 so yay
1: So this week for Culture Notes, I am asking you, Pellen, to demystify something for me. Absolutely. Because people have been tweeting it. It's it's all over. I don't know what it means. I mm. have some idea because it's related to, you know, movies and DC comics. and. But okay, here's a very simple question. Yeah. What is a cider's Cut?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, all right. <laughs> let me, all right, let me break this down for you, yeah? Okay, uh, bruv. Okay, first of all, so, okay, so DC comics are Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, uh, fucking The Flash. Uh, so, who am I forgetting? So separate from MCU? Yeah, separate okay. from MCU. So, you know, the, it's basically uh the, the two camps uh, are MCU, Marvel comics, and DC comics. And so, you know, everyone that isn't in in Marvel is a DC so yeah all of the all of the girls that I just mentioned uh <laughs> and then a couple more that I'm forgetting I'm sure they have a bunch of films and there was one like you know how the Avengers style they've got Justice League instead of Avengers oh so ju- okay. this is Justice League if you've seen any of the Avengers movies especially the last couple ones infinity war and game in in a, a similar vein in that there's these things called mother boxes and there's a bad guy not named Thanos uh but instead named uh Steppenwolf and uh he is trying to collect the three mother boxes and when he does that the world's going to be over basically
1: okay like but, every superhero story yeah
0: but so but Steppenwolf is the employee of a much bad badder person <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm so eloquent um anyway <laughs> so now that now that uh, you've got that background okay uh the, the the Justice League film came out a couple years back. I don't know when. And it was like no, let me take it even further back than that. Fuck me. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm also new to this. I can't believe you're making me do this. Um all right. So, Zack Snyder is a director. Okay. Okay. And he did I believe he did Watchmen the film, which was not great. And oh. he has done a couple of other DC Universe movies. I'm not going to say what they are, because I literally don't know. Um, he started directing uh Justice League movie, and then he stopped because unfortunately his daughter died by suicide. Oh, shit. And he tried to keep going, but he couldn't. So he stopped, even though they would filmed basically all of it. So then, Joss Whedon, who is a longtime director of a bunch of films, recently Puffing in the you. news for being an absolute dickhead, um, oh. he took over. And then he changed it tonally completely. So, so I think Zack Snyder is, I guess, famous for dark, broody, fucking grey tone, blue tone, all of them tones. Looks very self-serious. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh, sorry, Joss Whedon. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, he is a little bit more uppity-up, you know, I don't know, more zany. Not him, personally. I think they just wanted him to do that because they were feeling a way about the way that MCU was playing out, like, all jokey-jokey fun times, right? Uh,
1: uh-huh. They felt a way about
0: it because that's, I guess, their competitor. And then... Oh, yeah. So then they made, they made this film a little bit more snazzy-looking, boosted the brightness a bit, <laughs> added in a bit more jokes. No one was happy about it because it, I think... The main critique was it definitely felt like it started with one director, ended with a different director, right? Mm. So then uh, sometime last year, there was this whole fucking campaign going around, release a Snyder Cut, release a Snyder Cut, because there is a cut of the film that is basically the way that Zack Snyder intended it to be. Like already Um, almost finished? Almost finished, uh, but like not (laughs) nowhere near it, actually. Which is why when they actually did release a Snyder Cut, it's four fucking hours long. four hours. Oh, this is a Snyder's Cut, okay. This is a Snyder Cut. Okay. And are you going to keep calling it Snyder's Cut? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just Keep going, babes, it's fucking great. And um, (laughs) so anyway, and then uh, this came out on HBO Max on Friday, Thursday, one of them days. And uh, I unfortunately watched it just because- Did you watch all of it? Yeah, man. I did do it in parts. I've got to say, I did do like an episode one, episode two. I think when I approached the two and a half hour mark, I was like, "They are still trying to recruit the team." Oh my god! Yes, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> I, and that's—it's unfair because this is this obviously needed editing. This obviously needed to shave off at least one hour, but they were just like, "Fuck it." Just Wait, why did they
1: release it? Why? Who agreed to
0: release it? I think everyone was just. Curious to see how the film would have ended up if Snyder just kind of. Wow. Yeah. And this
1: is HBO Max. Is this HBO Max? This is HBO Max.
0: Yeah. So it's it's for the free on HBO Max. And I mean, I get it. I, I, I get why because you, you know, it's creative agency and like completely letting it rip. Like, so it's giving the fans what they want. And I think this was important for Zack Snyder because his daughter was a huge fan of oh. his work and really loved comic book, he, like the, the DC universe, really liked sci-fi. Um, so this was his homage to her. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a personal thing too. All that aside, as someone that is not invested, I just got invested into MCU. I watched a bunch of the films this week as well as a form <laughs> of, um, escapism. Not a fan of DC really just in general, not a fan, like not the best heroes, I would say. So this was quite a practice of patience for me. I might put it on my resume to say that I watched it. Watch um, all four hours of Snyder Cup. I watched Cut. all four hours of the Snyder Cup. It's just, it, you know what it is? You never need to see this, obviously, and I don't think you ever <laughs> will, no, which is no. totally fine. But my TLDR of why I didn't like it was, it is like trying to be broody and self-serious, but it's like self-serious to the point of a fucking joke. Like, it just comes off really light. You, this is a, essentially a comic book film. Mm-hmm. This is not David Fincher. Yeah, so th- this was just, uh I guess, an interesting practice of giving the creator completely free reign to put something
1: out. And, and then just like letting it go on streaming because like yeah it's, it's just more content to yeah stream. like
0: the thing is like i respect that sentiment i think more creators should just be given free reign to showcase the projects that they want to show the way they want to show them absolutely but do i want it for a fucking dc movie <laughs> no never <laughs> who cares like what i don't care about the interiority of aquaman i just want to see his fucking pecs are you kidding me anyway well thank you.
1: That's a Snyder cut. Sorry. Sorry. Thank Basically you. that's a Snyder cut. That uh, is the extent to which I will learn or know anything about this. So thank yeah. you very much for this uh, education.
0: Yeah, like as an as a baby MCU fan now, uh, I'm even after watching the Snyder cut, I'm even more I'm doubling down on my MCU oh my fan God. fanhood. All yeah. right. Interesting to see this
1: to see you down this path, but they got me. They got me Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking got me. Fair that's fine. Okay. Well thank you so much. Uh <laughs> that is the uh Snyder's Snyder's cut Snyder Cut. Yes. Um there we the go. Snyder's <laughs> <cup>. The Snyder's <laughs> cut pretzel pieces. Honey and mustard. Yes. Love it. Yes. yes. Oh shit. That is why it sounded so wrong what I've been saying. <laughs> um anyway, I guess that's what you've been watching. Um <laughs> and that's not what I've been watching, but in general, that's what we've been watching. If you think we should check anything out that you're watching, email us criticismisdead at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM or tag us or like whatever you want. Subscribe to our newsletter if you want. Please do. Criticismisdead.substack.com Apple Podcasts, the review button, the rate button. Those are also there if you want to hit those. And yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you, Pellen. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Jenny. Happy birthday, Jenny. Love you. (laughs) Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Criticism
0: is Dead is produced by Pellen keskin Lou and Jenny G. Jung. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Liu.